It's Kavika, and I'm back with the World Weekly. Now look, the GOP is now into a decade of Trump-publican rule, but does it really want to continue down this route? When you think of the term conservative, what ideologies come to mind? When you ask most liberals these days, they respond with inequality, inequity, and apathy. And that's to put it into nicer terms because I've seen a lot of mud slung from both sides. And, and and that's probably the nicest way I can put it without making too many people cringe, but by still making every Republican laugh because now they're trying to think of every dirty word that was used instead of that. But the point that I'm getting to is when you ask Republicans, they no longer know because they tend to divert the subject to a whirlwind of thoughts that eventually lead to selling you the red pill. I mean, it, it becomes a confusing entourage of word salads and uh, news media-based talking points. You know, as a member of this party, I apologize profusely. <laughs> and I, I think I may know the causation of this. I mean, the Republican Party now more than ever has a vocal portion of the working class fighting for talking points generated by the media they're distracted from real policy and suitable Republicans because they're being sold hyperbole that strikes a nerve. Okay? By, by, by Trump dropping that hammer and saying the only news comes from this source and then everybody eating that lie right there, especially since we all knew before that that we everybody made fun of Fox. We watched The Simpsons every week and watched it make fun of its own network. <laughs> And tell us how much bullshit it is. We we grew up watching Fox go into a decline after the age of accountability was taken away after the Fairness Doctrine. Opinion-based news opened the door to so many things. And the more that you put opinion in the word next to news, when you separate them, they still mean the same thing. So news is allowed to have opinions, and opinions can be considered news. So... All they really have to do is create headline scares. And much of the left-wing media has gone the same route. I mean, it's kind of been a monkey see, monkey do. The Dems figure out how to win seats for a long time, so then the Republicans respond by upping their game to use their own weapon, and they turn the blue wave system into a red wave system, and they got there. So they did that. Meanwhile, the, the far right, because I'm not going to claim that right as as the part of me, <laughs> because that's when I say I'm a Republican. It's the it's the can part, not the <laughs> not the pubby asshole part. Uh, but uh, you know the the right wing media industry set of precedents, especially after it was given the jolly pardon from King Forty Five, and when he did that he made it seem okay to the other people because then they knew that was the only way they were going to resonate with that same base and get them to collide with them. Now, whether or not you agree with how MSNBC says it or how Fox says it or how CNN says it or how CBS says it, that's on you. But recognizing that we are now, all because of this, every news media agency, including bloggers, 
and just internet muckrackers who used to write sensible headlines are all out to strike that nerve. And on top of that, the Trump era has opened us to a flood of celebrity candidates that default to fear tactics and smear campaigns. Meanwhile, sensible Republicans, people on our same side, are left only with the defense of not all Republicans. But we know how weak of an argument that can be when you fought, when you you know pretend something with not all. It's it's laughable. A, a, any any woman can tell you. Okay. All right. So how do we change this? Look, civic education comes to mind as it certainly would make more aware of what's important, but we can't take a teacher's route to this. We need to reinforce values anecdotally. I mean, as we learned recently on previous episodes, the truth is best delivered by friends in their own words, much like I'm doing with you and our guests every time we hang out. So after you go to the polls this week, whether you feel you won or lost, you need to get yourself out there in the new year and talk to more folks in your social sphere and those on the opposite side of the spectrum from you. The pandemic took a lot of social skills away from us that we weren't aware of, were gone until faced with realization. So let's make a New Year's pact and start engaging with our friends, neighbors, maybe strangers. Let's put aside social media and hyperbolistic news and walk inside our city halls. Go to community meetings. Heck, even watch a little C-SPAN or public access. Teach yourself and your community to become a part of the change instead of screaming at each other over misinformation and the misguided thoughts pushed by straw men outside of your community. The truth is bigger than a Google search, and it's more than the comment feed on your local news' Facebook page. It's right there in front of you, and if it's experienced together, we can come to the answers as a unified people because we see the proof in the pudding. So get out there and give it your best, even if it takes patience, all right? Learn a little aho nui there, kids. Or, you know, you may burst a few blood vessels because our counties, states, and our country need to be united or else we'll continue to fall down the spiral ahead. All right, now let's get into part of that spiral. We're going to talk about a couple of things, and then we're going to get lost in the crazy because this is already a lot to consider. And then next week, next week's a lot. This whole week is a lot to consider as we, we look at the polls and we see the reporting and the turnouts and everything. So let's see what the election can have an effect on. But let's look into the future a little bit by seeing what's going on in the international business world. Now, the CEO of uh, Maersk, the shipping firm, uh, has recently talked about, like, you know, yearly profits, next year outlook, all these things. And, and you know, he said that they, they were exceptional results, but they were really because everybody made more money because everything costs more money. And that's probably the easiest way to equate it in understanding the supply chains, gas, etc. So a lot of... The bottom line had to be padded by driving up the price enough to not only make a nominal profit, but to secure a profit for the next decline. So now the international market is showing us that a recession is on the horizon. Okay, so, you know, war in Ukraine, uh, Europe's energy problem, high inflation everywhere, you know, but then like global recession is really out there. And it's, you know, so that that. Six 
the four, six, maybe eight-year even outlook that I gave you last time we talked about this. This this is why I was pointing to that because now here's our canary, all right? Just a week after I tell you that, here's our canary, okay? So, like, it, we're really going to see what's going to happen as uh, – consumer purchasing power it uh, it's 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 going to fluctuate because this this high demand season of the holidays is going to make it to where people will overstretch themselves for normalcy normalcy you're having it all right now how many parents right now are having that conversation about what well, this has still got to be the best christmas ever i know you're doing it i had it recently okay i watched my parents have it their entire life and so did you so you know be aware of that. We're all about to overextend ourselves. So maybe don't do it so much because after we overextend ourselves, we will make the beasts hungry and they'll raise prices in the next year because then we'll be into a new fiscal year. So now it's in competition with last year's numbers and this mad global inflation meets recession, American stagflation. We now reach a point to where all that money our nut that was just sitting there got wasted on Christmas when the rainy day is just minutes after. So think about in, that, in the cosmic scale of your savings accounts. If you're going to break the bank just to make your kids feel good about Christmas, remind yourself right now that if you save most of that money and just get a little, you know, thrifty and crafty with your Christmas or your Hanukkah or your Michaelmas or your Saturnalia, I don't care. Um, but think about the fact that by the time that you be staring at next summer, that padding, you're going to wish that was there because we're going to see such, such a dip that it's going to be reflected in overtime hours. It's going to be reflected in pay raises. I think after the midterms are over, Nobody's going to care to talk about, uh, you know, living wage situations unless you're in a county that has a strong local council that's going to, like, fight for that locally, you know. And so it's it's really going to be left on our shoulders in January as consumers and taxpayers and participators of our local politics and our economy to be able to move that forward. And that will probably be one of the only ways that we're going to survive this next thing and even contribute to easing the pain on it. Because these are things that, like, if done correctly, we could merge our way into a new era of living wages while recognizing the current debts and the problems faced by them and our energy market and find some common ground where the all these parts can interact and flowly just flow right next to each other and really just help help each other just in stream. You know, it's not just about one market at a time. And I think that's what we as a regular people need to be thinking about. Okay, so like transpo is going to be a huge issue. So not only do we have these supply chains, but what's what makes the supply chain have its supply? That gas supply, it's inside of it. And now we're going to face a diesel shortage. Okay, so the transportation industry is facing a rise in diesel prices, and a lot of suppliers are blaming supply chain shortages and policy. I mean, the trucking industry is worried that the diesel shortage will spike consumer prices, just like it's going to come on us. Okay, 
So they're gonna pass down the cost to us. Why? Because not only do they gotta they gotta prepare for losing that money, they gotta prepare to beat last year's money because, you know, this is this is now the case of corporations reporting all time highs. You know? It, it it makes modern capitalism the culprit in this. We left it unregulated and uncaged for more than a decade now. And in that model, we've allowed corporations the right to constantly hike prices and ask for more profit. But as many people have pointed out, like in all these shortages and the rising prices, like then let's just get off international oil and start digga digga digging or fracking 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 here in America. Which we all know that that's a bad idea. That has a huge impact on our environment. You know, it ruins groundwater. I mean, we had that. There's a reason why, like, Canada shut down their end of the Keystone XL pipeline because 187 gallons just went everywhere. Okay. It wasn't just like, you know, we turned it off to spite everyone. It was like, it wasn't safe. It wasn't a viable option. And the way that we receive it from the ground isn't a viable option. I think that's one of those few things that Trump got right when he realized he couldn't turn it back on. And it turned into one of his regrettable policy promises because he finally figured out once he was in charge of that shit that he couldn't do it. That there was too much risk. That little piece of a good businessman that's left in him, that little iota of, oh, that makes sense, it probably kicked in. And he had that behind-closed-doors conversation of, but Mr. President, there's a lot of voters in that gap down there, and you want those votes because they're stupid for you. And then, you know, he's like, oh, it was going to be huge, but I don't want to piss anybody off, you know? So, but, and so what are we left with? <laughs> International oil relations as a solution? No. Why Why the hell would anyone be fire clandestine third world good old boy gas deals? You know, this whole Russia thing's a debacle. Look how it worked for, for H.W. and G.W. Bush that, you know, back in the day. The Dems just thought they could pull this off because they saw it was an okay GOP tactic. Like I said before, monkey see, monkey do. Only difference is Dems are terribly apologetic at first complaint and Republicans will make you deal with it like an unwanted pregnancy. Outside of foreign oil and modern sea rigs, most fossil fuels are limited or in encumbered places that make them more destructive than the short-term energy they provide. That's why the transition to renewables has to begin. Or else we're stuck. We're stuck in these arcane situations. This is why, like, here in Hawaii, we have Republicans that are, like, totally on board with how do we fix our environment. They're not Green New Deal because they recognize all the stupid pork barreling in it and fucking dark money that goes places in some of that. So, you know, we've yet to reach a compromise. But we recognize as a party, especially out here in the most beautiful place in the world, that it has to be taken care of and the Anthropocene epoch is real. Okay? So, my more right-leaning counterparts would tell you that we have to wait until renewable energy is perfected before it can be used. But how does that lead to technological advancement if we aren't doing the R&D, creating the competition, getting consumer input? The only way to get true renewables is taking the journey to get there. And we'll still need to use gas along the way. It's not like they're taking it away tonight. I mean... All of these, all these bills and projections are like 20 and 50 year models. In a lot of cases, they're not taking away everything in 20 or 30 years. It's like, okay, in 20 years, 
Uh, electric cars only on the road. In 30 years, please, can we find something better than nuclear? In 50 years, can we just all be pulling it out of the sky? In 70 years, can we just breathe energy because technology is that cool? That That's the plan, guys. We're a part of that transition. Okay? So we're going to start with cars. It's the most mainstream option that can eventually, not right now, but eventually be owned by all financial backgrounds. I mean, your average car is already approaching $50,000 because of inflation. So why not spend the same amount of money on cars that are getting free charges because of state funding, you know? Alleviate a small burden on the economy, generate new products, create new jobs, and in a few years, we could even see our environment look and feel better. I mean, in that period, a demand for more power storage will occur, okay? That's what everybody everybody's complaining about, like, how are we going to charge all these cars? But batteries will get smaller, as they have, okay? Charge times will go up, as it has over the past 30 years. I mean, you can now place your phone on a desk, and the desk charges it. We don't even need a plug anymore. Imagine what's going to happen when that new technology bridges the gap to enables cars to charge themselves, whether they're just sitting in your house or they're all collecting it from the sun because some home mechanics have already started inventing it and you can see their builds on YouTube. It's really cool. Why look up flat earth junk when you could be looking up how to create renewable energy drivable cars so you don't even have to plug in anymore? So as demand for consumer gas is transitioned out of the end consumer, that Supply and demand, chain cost, that, that gives a break to the shipping industry. They'll, they'll see a drop in operations costs. In turn, both the food and hospitality and travel industries will, will see them too. Prices will inflate occasionally as new systems are introduced, but much of that will plateau as long as Americans throw away planned obsolescence, which, I mean, it is the bane of our existence because we always want to make more profits. So it's like, when's this thing going to break so people come back or when can we replace it? So, I mean, if we can get out of that hole and go back to a Made in America slogan, that means it lasts forever, like a cast iron pan or a classic car from the 50s or 70s, you know? So what we need to do is 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 just know how the market is going to react you know and, and as consumers that's the best thing we can do is is support this technology and and communicate with this market we're gonna have to invest in it whether we like it or not you know like my old man used to say it's it takes money to make money and i you know i i've really Notice that a lot of people, left or right, have really gotten like just like twenty dollar foolish lately. We we spend money on stupid things and then we don't justify the right things. And you know what? Transition costs moolah. All right. And if you can afford to transition to it, do it. You're helping yourself. You're helping your neighbors by fronting the cost for early advancement. If you can't afford it. Just watch the market more. Learn how to time the financial seasons like we're doing together right now. Look at the forecasts. Get advice from those excelling with equity that they have, your friends around you. I'm not talking about just rich people. I'm talking about that guy that knows how to fucking coupon clip like the best of them, all right? Anybody that can point you in the right direction. Now, not all of us can do our part, but those of us who can are paving a way for future generations to benefit. And when the time comes, we can all make the leap together. Think about that. Think about how much power your money has as someone with equity 
that you're responsible for making some like Jules Verne level technological leap in history because you literally get to say because you bought an electric car, you made it so that we, your kids, had renewable energy. You made it so your grandkids could see the reef in its full bloom because we have less emissions. That your air is so much sweeter no matter where you go in the world because we're not contaminating. Moving forward. We live in a fast-paced world where many people are too busy to sit down and read books or news articles. But thanks to Newsly, you can now listen to the news you wish you had the time to read. By utilizing AI technology, a natural human voice reads you the news, helping you grasp the information faster and more efficiently. Newsly provides the latest news updates 24-7, letting you browse articles from topics you choose. It even has podcasts, including ours. And listeners of Rabbit Holes can get their first 30 days of premium for free, allowing you to enjoy an ad-free experience by using the special promo code in our episode description. So download Newsly today for free on iOS and Android or visit www.newsly.me so you can stay updated on the things that matter to you. Moving forward. And speaking of the contaminations we make, it seems that recycling isn't working. Uh, I mean, I'm, I, I am, I am pro recycling. Okay, all right. But as I'm starting to learn, which is a problem, um, a recent Greenpeace report reported following mechanical and chemical recycling of plastic waste has largely failed and will always fail because plastic waste is, one, extremely difficult to collect, two, virtually impossible to sort for recycling, three, environmentally harmful to reprocess, four, often made of and contaminated by toxic materials, and five, not economical to recycle. Okay? Hard to do, hard to sort, harmful to process, contamination, not worth the money. Now, let's put the not worth the money part aside. Because like I said, uh, you know, takes money, we, you know, in order to make change, to make more money, all those things. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take money. So, like, let's put aside the economics of recycling to just talk about the hows and whys, you know, especially these four other things. I mean, how has this gotten bad? Well, some critics are saying it has always been this bad, but we've never been sold hard enough on the cons of it until now. Now, don't get me wrong. Protecting our environment is key. Like I said, I believe in recycling, but if we haven't made the world any better by recycling, shouldn't it be a sign that the industry needs an overhaul? One of the biggest problems with American recycling is all of the NIMBYs, you know, not in my backyard. You know, those kind of folks, they, they've pushed it out of our country. Now, I understand EPA regulations, you know, 
but it, how is it that we believe in recycling, but under the current technology and its pitfalls, we don't operate any of the heavier equipment that does this in America because we're sending our recyclables to third world countries that we don't care about polluting. Your paradise is someone else's pain. Have you seen how plastic bags are recycled? It's a vat of hot plastic that's pulled out by hand and massaged like you're making saltwater taffy. By hand, without gloves. These poor folks taffy pull your Walmart bags until they can convert them into reusable material, which most of it can barely become tires or packing materials. We're spending billions of dollars to use gas and ship these... trash, all of this trash by freight to the Indian Ocean, and we dump it on someone else's lawn. And we let people kill themselves for our personal comfort just to like pay them a bowl of rice a day because it's more often than not an American or an American condoned corporation that isn't doing business in America because it's either evading taxes or EPA law. Now, let's go back to those bags. What about all the places that have banned single-use bags that has helped. Well, it doesn't really look like it, as reports seem to indicate that carbon emissions have increased due to the demand of reusables since folks have yet to train themselves to remember their shopping bags. So they're still buying a bag every time they go in. I, myself, am personally guilty of this from time to time. But what people don't consider is that the paper and cotton bags also take up more space in landfills and produce more greenhouse emissions as they decompose. So what's the suggestion then? In the age of plastic? Some, like Greenpeace, think it's a virtuous answer. Personally, I wish we could live without it. And and I've seen communities that can walk away from it correctly by converting to better biodegradable products. And... There is where I think we'll find our first answers. I mean, many places like Maui have made strides in making sure the end carbon impact is smaller. And it's come from recognizing how to manage infinite trash in a finite space. Some parts of the U.S. have learned well, too. You know, by introducing waste energy plants that burn waste while filtering the exhaust. I mean, these plants can produce about 1,200 milliwatt hours of electrical energy off of the incineration of about 2,200 tons of waste per day. And Americans roughly produce 728,000 tons of daily garbage. By that calculation, we could open up 150 or more plants in America, burning all the trash that's burnable, and turn this around within 10 years of commissioning them. I mean, think about how much trash could be stopped, and then we're just like, you know, save it for the incinerator. Let's not even put it in the ground. All right? If the energy crisis needs energy and we don't want foreign oil, and we can't frack on our own land because it's destructive, then let's take the only thing we have more of than debt and turn our trash into treasure. Now, this is not an immediate solution, but it can relieve a lot of stress when it finally goes into effect. And many of the other solutions will require us changing our dependencies by learning how to reuse better at home, by, by being conscious of what we use and throw away, A lot of this falls on single shoulders across America to take personal responsibility and change simple things in their life. Okay? But is it really that simple in a world of consumer dependency and entitlement? 
Time will certainly tell as Mother Earth replies to our efforts and our destruction. And the Anthropocene Epoch continues until we make peace and give nature back to her. Well, <laughs> didn't that get dark fast? So let's distract those heated feelings by being pundits of social behavior and exploring some choice technological distractions. Uh, Xiaomi has recently revealed a concept phone with a mount for Leica M lenses. Now, this is crazy. I mean, who would have thought that the age of smartphones would lead to this? I mean, it makes enough sense in how far we've come with cinema quality on phones, but is this for everybody? Or is it just a way to attract camera snobs into the phone filmmaking game? I mean, part of me thinks that can work, but I don't see everyday people carrying a lens bag. As someone who worked in the one-hour photo industry as a lab tech and as someone who used to sling cameras to pay the bills, I can tell you that your average family photog learns to live with a single lens, usually because of price, but more so out of the lack of knowledge as to why they need those extra lenses. Hence, why cameras with built-in lenses are a consumer standard and your average SLR buyer just puts it in the bag to only pull out four times a year, maybe. I mean, I'd love to see what the images look like when it gets to testing, but until then, I, I say we'll be just fine with our Androids and iPhones and their built-in lenses. Something cool, though, Google has been developing AI for quite some time, but they're now on path to make their way into the AI content creation game with WordCraft. Now, can it write something for you? Uh, certainly not, as most AI requires prompt material and references to generate new content. And, and I say it in air quotes like that because most AI writing tools are really just a means to have a machine rewrite old blogs by competitors and turn them into new words that can't be spotted as plagiarism. Thank you, Grammarly. But where do I see this going, though? I mean, it could really bring down the cost of consumer AI products, especially if this goes into the free portion of everyone's Gmail account. And since Google tends to open up the hood to developers and let them peek inside, this could advance AI technology by giving that everyday madman with a keyboard the chance to develop advances with no entry cost. And we see how well that's done for other tech and programming fields especially video games. So to learn more about WordCraft and what it's made so far, check out the link in our show notes. Meanwhile, on the other side of the internet, fans have uh, attempted creating GoFundMe pages for Kanye West. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> really? <laughs> Why does that guy need our money? I mean, it's okay, though, because as it seems, this is mostly a joke. But it's I mean, I think, <laughs> but it's becoming funnier because nobody is really interested in contributing, even if they thought it was real. With most of these crowdfunding pages, they, they've barely gotten anywhere between 5 and $25, so Kanye better not hold his breath. And, and since I'm not giving any more airtime besides making the butt of a joke, let's talk about a real billionaire with a capital Big B, Elon Musk. Old Musky bought Twitter as we've been talking about. Now, let's let's talk the cons of this acquisition here first, okay? Free speech. Some say he's bringing it back, while others disagree and say he's opening the door for more fake news and misinformation, which was practically pointed out as true as Elon himself dispersed a junk article about the Pelosi attacker. He later pulled that tweet, but it hasn't stopped the internet from chasing that bone, and it looks like it as he has reintroduced the famous rogues gallery of canceled politicians and influencers. So 
I mean, even if he gets his act straight, it doesn't matter because he's released the hounds upon us. This then leads back to the discussion of content moderation. And I will have to say that Facebook has over-adjusted by making singular words on their own in community defense, no matter how G-rated or not in the context of malicious use it is. I mean, it's putting people in Facebook jail for using words like baboon, kill, pedophile, or even the word stupid. Now, these words can be bad, but when you have people making sensible rebuttals, we see it even has an effect on intelligent conversations being had about the zoo and no racial relation, hunting and not the attack on an actual person, more even just the defense of the animals, uh, discussing crime, so if someone actually committed or is convicted of an act, or simply calling a movie stupid because you didn't like it. Okay? So, I mean, we've seen we've seen the heavy-handedness. And, it, and I don't call it censorship because these are private platforms. So we have to play by their rules. Okay? I, I'm an old child of the Internet, so I understand where moderation is, and then you learn to work around it. So I will have to say that it will make people a little more wordy with their responses because you will have to, like, find, like, a Victorian method of insulting someone now. Uh, but hopefully that at least, like, raises the reading level of this country. So as Elon rolls back the pressure on community guidelines, could this have a positive effect on other social media giants by making them recognize they have now overstepped their bounds by policing the people they aim to protect? Now, as someone who is against hate speech, I am disgusted that some have taken the new age of Twitter to put the N-word on blast or begin attacking the LGBTQ plus communities. But as someone who believes in real free speech, I will be glad to use it as a platform for heated and critical discussion you can't have anywhere else in the mainstream, since you can now get put in Facebook jail for discussing colonial crime or making any negative remarks towards the government for its mistreatment of people, but not for making threats against Uncle Sam, but mentioning the atrocities and then having them being taken out of context by AI as a declarative statement and not a history lesson. I mean, we hear Rabbit Holes experience this as one of our episodes reporting on the January 6th event was stricken from YouTube for supposedly inciting violence, even though we were clearly just reporting on the events and discussing the committee hearings. You were there. I was there. I even went back and re-listened to it. And then I put in my appeal. And then a robot listened to it again. And I know it was a robot, not a person, because they returned an appeal on a one-hour episode in less than 20 minutes. So my personal positive takeaway from Elon's buying of Twitter is actually the one thing that most users are pissed about. A subscription for verification and feed bumping. Twitter already has features like this, but seemingly it's coming across as an attack to the free users of a platform that they seem to think doesn't need money to operate for their pleasure. Now, why am I on board with this? Well, this is actually a smart move to combat bots. In one way, it puts a price tag on doing business, so it dissuades low-level cons from occurring. It also puts a name and a credit card to the account and holds it accountable by making it more than just a free user, but a paid user bound by a higher contract, one that will make it much harder to sneak bots across our notices or disrupt the media. I mean, remember how I said that bots are costing advertisers $120 billion a year, approximately? I mean, think about that. If Elon makes his point and cleans house, 
even celebrities who walked out could walk back because they can finally see their old favorite platform the way it was back at launch. Real people talking. Okay? On an internet that is 40% robots selling us fake pleasure, that would be a relief. Now, this would be a great change from the writer's Twitter living in its echo chamber, selling books to itself. I mean, think about political Twitter getting more than just celebrities in the conversation because their following power is now canceled by an educated professor who pays for verification to sass people with the facts. I mean, this could even open a new market for influencers, which is definitely needed as influencer earnings continue to decline. But where it goes, only time will tell. And as someone who hasn't left Twitter since day one, I'll be here to report back to you and tell you when the water's fine in the old birdbath again. And with that, I'd like to thank you all for tuning in today. Mahalo for the listens and follows. Make sure to share us with your friends and continue the discussions with your community. I'll catch you all next time with entertainment and pop culture. And be on the lookout for next week's Maui episode where we catch up with Auntie Linda in Las Vegas and talk more about her journey as a lost child of Kalapapa and what her next steps in her journey will be as her documentary comes out and her story is being told more in the media. Until then, be good to yourselves and each other. Aloha.